0: now my advice to people who like this kind of service is and Stephen Fennick from techguy.com.au. I
1: really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility
0: to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading 186. This is episode 186. Thanks to the good people at Netgear, netgear netgear.com.au. We do it each and every week with their thanks, and we'll tell you about some of their products a little bit later. My name's Trevor Long. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. You can read my gibbering at eftm.com.au, but you can read quality journalism, quality technology journalism, from an actual technology journalist, Stephen Fenwick at techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. Uh, g'day, Trevor. Great to be
1: with you once again. Hello to all our listeners and our viewers. Uh, welcome to our live broadcast. So we're excited to be doing this for the what? Is the third time we've done this now? Third time lucky. Hey, why
0: third not? Third time. That's. So we have a lot to talk about tonight. Some uh, some interesting topics, and we'll get straight into it here. Two blokes talking tech. So, mate, this virus. I'm not even going to name it. But okay, I'll give it I'll give it a stab. Regan. I got nothing. I mean, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a very strange name for a virus. I was asked this week how to pronounce it. I got no idea. Regan, Regine, maybe? Something a bit exotic. But this is a pretty serious issue because for two reasons. One, it's actually a serious virus, but secondly, the governments have made it. I mean, are we blaming the potentially the British or the United States governments for creating a virus that is essentially spying on people? This is a pretty darn serious deal and affecting a bunch of people.
1: Absolutely, yeah. This has uh, really set the whole uh, internet alight. This this story and discovered by Symantec, the well-known internet security company, and. Uh, when a company like Symantec says that a virus is pretty serious, you need to take you need to really take notice of that they 're saying it 's one of the worst bits of malware they 've ever discovered, but so much so that as you mentioned the, the the technical expertise behind creating this virus is at such a level that they suspect it was a a, a nation a, a an advanced a technologically advanced nation a government agency someone with that kind of technical know-how, so uh, have we stumbled upon this this surveillance tool uh, that was meant to be spying on us uh, without us knowing? Uh, It it affects Windows, people running Windows are are the people who it affects. It can infect your computer and grab all kinds of data, your passwords, take screenshots. They even say, Symantec says it even took over, it infected a telecommunications company,
0: and they were able to hear people's phone calls. So oh, that's, Lord. that's scary stuff, don't you think? I mean, essentially, that, that's the interesting thing here. Uh, you know, 10 years ago, a virus was a thing that was stupidly annoying because you had to remove it and reboot your computer and get rid of it. This thing is just sitting there. You, you might have it, and it's just monitoring you. It's long, It's surveillance. It's long-term surveillance. As you said, it could be taking a screenshot. It could be tracking your keystrokes. It could be doing absolutely anything with your computer and you don't know it's there because uh, they've only just discovered it and that's what's most scary here you know um both Kaspersky Lab and Symantec have been talking about this for the last few days in terms of what they've discovered um Kaspersky reckons it became aware of Regin uh Reagan Reagan, uh in in spring which you know northern hemisphere uh, time is autumn it's a while ago but I don't know, mate. This For this to be around, even just discovered, even in the last few months, let alone days, it's been around for a long time. 28% of those people affected are in Russia. So that probably points to it not being Russians behind it. Absolutely.
1: yeah. I think the main suspects here are, I think, the US, China, uh, possibly the UK. So, uh, yeah, like you said, the fact that Russia are, are the ones being spied on is a big indicator. But I think what what this points out though is it really illustrates the point that you need to to protect yourself as best you can. There's a well, you know we, we've done a lot of we've been talking about this all week on our various radio segments and people are saying well what do you do? How do you not get this? How do you protect yourself? And I think it's important that people take their internet security seriously. Yeah. Uh, take notice of of their the updates, the 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 pop-ups that come up on your screen. I know people find yep. them annoying, <laughs> and they dismiss them without reading them. But in this instance, I think when uh, uh, this the, your internet security software is warning you that you may be surfing to a, a fake site, and that's how this this infects computers. What happens? They create these fake or, or spoof sites that are they're they're not real. They're just meant to serve up all this malware. And in this case, Reagan. Uh, so if you've got a vulnerability on your computer. You don't have that adequate protection. Mm. You really put yourself in harm's way. And once this is on your computer, you know if it's created by a government, I don't think it's going to be easy to get to remove from your computer. So best to be uh, forewarned is forearmed, and and protect yourself that you're not putting yourself in danger here by being lack, slack with your internet security.
0: And you know, remember, there are always there always has to be zero day people, the people that are first affected, and therefore. You know, almost impossible to remove. As time goes on, the removal tools will come about. Your internet security will help you get rid of it potentially. But what's what's a bigger problem? And the best advice you've given thus far, Stephen, is think about it now, right? And so I have uh, I've got Trend Micro on my computer, and whenever I've got. Um, Uh, any web page open and I put my mouse over a link, it comes up and says this link is untested or it's got a green tick next to it. It changes the internet experience because it kind of overlays all this extra information. But it gives me a great sense of security that someone has tested that. Someone has been to that website and gone, it's cool. and, And they're constantly checking it. And You need to pay attention to that because that's where you get infected.
1: One one other point too, I think that Mac users may be sitting back and chuckling that you know this isn't it hasn't affected Mac users and kind of we're we're bulletproof. Uh, that that's not right either. I, I don't think Mac users should should have that kind of attitude. They should adopt the same the same protection uh, the same protection. Go to the same lengths to protect yourself as a Windows user, because there have been viruses for Macs. There have been serious uh, threats there as well. So any computer that's connected to the internet,
0: Windows or not, Mac or whatever
1: you've got, you've got to protect
0: yourself. Yep, and and as I say, I'm using a Mac, and I've got Trend Micro installed at the very least because it gives me that link protection uh, and helps prevent phishing and also malware attacks. So keep an eye on it, and if you want to know more, check out techguide.com.au, and uh, make sure you've got your internet security. Make sure it's up to date. Uh, and, and, you know, my advice, don't trust the free stuff. Uh, pay full price. It's like insurance for your car. You wouldn't go for something cheap. Uh, you wouldn't get full protection. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fenwick.
1: Well, a very interesting uh, little story came around this week about uh, from Microsoft uh, and with the uh, help of a digital ethnographer. Mm. That's mm. a bit of a mouthful, uh Jonathan, what's his name? Jonathan, I forget his surname. You interviewed him. Yeah, Hutchinson. It is Hutchinson. Doctor Jonathan Jonathan
0: Hutchinson. Hutchinson.
1: And uh, yeah, my partner with Microsoft. And what they've done is they looked at the way we we use our technology, how we consume content, yeah, our adoption, our behaviour around technology, and they've come up with six technology personality types. Mm. Uh, The six of them uh, we'll go through in a moment, but they kind of identify the way we act on the internet there's the creator the sharer the tinkerer there's the self improver the spectator and the make doer so i don't know which of those you fit in trev i think um I'm from me personally i'm probably i'm a little bit of about two or three of them i think i'm a little well, bit well come on a do the cleaner, test while we're bit here
0: tinkerer. I'm going to tell you what happened to me while you do the test, right? Live here on the podcast, let's let you do yeah. the test. It's two questions. Go to microsoft.com.au forward slash tech types. And they ask you basically two, two questions. What's the first thing you do in the morning? And then another question about, you know, how you, how you interact during the day. Uh, and yeah. very quickly I got, and that was the thing that sort of shocked me a little bit. It's only two questions, very easy to do. Um, and so I, I was a sharer. It was just full stop easy because, you know, first thing I do in the morning is check my email, check my Twitter and, and whatnot. And yeah. uh, I can't remember what the second question was, but I, I would Pick, suggest that. I've got to say, I
1: those... picked you for a share. I've got to say. I picked, you for, yeah, thank you. Say, Thanks, I picked you for
0: the. But I want to know what you are. I want you to do the quiz right now. It's two questions, Stephen. Yeah, okay. I don't see you typing on your computer to do the quiz right now. So you want me to do, get, up, want... get
1: that on, the, on my site here? Okay, hang on Microsoft a moment. Microsoft.com.au.
0: Forward slash tech types. Now, what you do is you you don't have to worry about reading it all. You just you're in the middle of the thing. It says discover your tech type. Start the character quiz here. It asks you what's the first thing you do when you wake up, and I'm saying check emails. And then with when you're out with friends, what do you do? So you're multitasking. You're, you're collecting inspiration, or you're living in the moment and all this kind of stuff. So once you've answered what's those the two first questions,
1: you do when you wake up. Here it is, here and go. I'm going to say think about
0: breakfast. Okay, and this, you're not going to be a sharer. I can tell you right right now. <laughs> when eating
1: breakfast, are you uploading snaps of your delicious handiwork, sharing your latest trends, discovery with friends online, savouring the great taste? This is going to surprise people here. I'm going to say savouring the great taste. Yeah, you are. I've, boring. I've got a bit of a routine here. There's a third question here, Trevor. Hang oh, on a moment. Hold the phone. There's a third question here. It needs more, deeper analysis. What are you, analysis to be of you doing on the bus or train? Uh, watching the latest cat video, browsing your favourite blogs, checking out what your friends yeah, well, I'm going to go there. Well, hang on, there's a there's a fourth there's a fourth,
0: there's a fourth answer to that, isn't there? What are you most likely to do on the train? Questioning why I'm on a bus or a train. Well, you know what has come up with me? It's calling me a
1: spectator. Oh, you're a voyeur. So, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm more of a more. I like to watch. I think is what they're trying to say, Trev. And um, yeah. I don't, I don't particularly agree with that because I don't think that's sort of the enough enough information. Well, that it, ha, prov- have, so I'll, that's the thing.
0: I only got two questions. You got three. And it says for a spectator, it says how to spot them. Spectators are digital introverts and will probably be either watching, reading, listening, or talking about great stories. They're dressed for comfort and probably have permanent squint from all that screen time, um, and, all, and all, all this because I like to have breakfast. And you is won't be surprised. Right? I like you won't to have be, breakfast first thing. You won't be surprised. It's recommended a Nokia Lumia 830 for you. <laughs> hmm. Hang on a minute. It's a,
1: who did the Who did the thing? The uh, survey? Microsoft? Yeah. They're hardly going to hardly going to recommend an iPhone, are they? Like, come on. Imagine
0: that. Let's be. Serious. So this is this is Stephen's phone. Right you have to now get yourself you have this is this is the phone that Microsoft Tech Types has recommended for Stephen the Lumia 830 that's beautiful. I, I love
1: it. it. I'm trying to find it under my pile of other phones. at the yeah. a moment. I've yeah, got the same one. <clears throat> I don't want to talk about
0: phones. I've got a lot of trouble this week for phones, so let's move on from phones. Uh, that is the Microsoft personality types or technology types. Very easy to do. You saw Stephen complete the quiz right there or heard it. Uh, Microsoft.com.au forward slash tech types. Um, and if you want to think, maybe enter it for your partner, maybe you can work out um, gifts and, and ways to interact with them. On, uh, on technology you're listening to two blokes talking tech now you're gonna have to uh, do the visual demonstration here for this product because mine's upstairs with my eight-year-old here' yeah, ever since I finished taking photos and reviewing this product it's been with with Jackson and it's the it's the new kobo aura h2o now this has been announced and available overseas. And what's very interesting to me here is that they've they've given us briefings and, and, and obviously early access to this product because it's not going to be available in Australia until February next year. Now, what that says to me is that Kobo is kind of worried that people are going to get annoyed with them for releasing a product and not bringing it here. So they're just being open and frank with the audience. They're, they're loyal audience that says, here's a great new device, but it'll be here in February. It's a $229 device. It's a very good e-reader. Looking at the product... Um, there's a couple of key features in, in my mind in in basic usage of it. I, I download a few books for Jackson. We had a read while we we're on holidays on the weekend. Um, the screen is is excellent. I mean, I've I have do not lose e-readers anywhere near what you do, but the resolution, you know, retina style is what we talk about. The, you know, the crisp edges of the text and font. Very good high definition screen in terms of just your e-ink. E-read this is very, very normal for them to be a bit patchy and sketchy. This is really good quality, really good edges. The screen brightness is excellent when you need it at full rent. But the main thing is it's waterproof, thus the H2O. So I took this thing to the beach and threw it in the surf and nearly lost it uh, and, <laughs> and took some photos and tested it out there. As soon as it gets wet, it has this thing on the screen that says, hey, your device is wet, you need to clean the screen. But you can still use it. You don't have to dry it down. So very, very cool piece of tech, mate.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Now, here it is right here, the Kobo Aura H2O. Uh, it's got a 6.8-inch screen, I think it is, and it yep. is, you're right that the screen is is really crisp. Uh, the, the brightness is adjustable. The font size is adjustable. You can even adjust the margin, how big you want the margin, so if you want the text to go edge to edge. Uh, it's got access, of course, to the Kobo bookstore because it is a wireless device. It's not 3G or 4G. It's got Wi-Fi on board, so once you're connected to the network, you can browse uh, the bookstore, download books to the device. It's also got a memory card slot on the bottom here that's a, a sealable little door down the bottom that lets you put in a 64-gig card, and you can store 10,000 books on it if you if you must. But uh, you're right about the text. Uh, I think it's a really nice experience to read it. It's also got the the, the, the sort of light, similar to the, the Kindle uh, Paperwhite, where the light actually goes down into the device. It's not a backlight as such. So yeah. if I was to read this in a dark room, it's not going to illuminate the whole room. It's yeah. just going to just just illuminate that the screen itself because the light's being directed into the device rather than out like a normal backlight would. So I think they've nailed that. I think th- this is. It's a shame though that yeah you know, we're getting into summertime now and that people won't be able to get their hands on this. Yeah, they kind uh, of missed the boat early, with Christmas. It, you know, be some summer, but uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, an e-reader, for you you like to read your books down the beach or by the pool, even in the bath. If
0: you just can't put that book down, you can take this anywhere. Look, you know, it's funny for me because I've been having a look at uh, other e-readers recently, the Kindle Fire HD7, this one here, which is pretty much just an Android tablet with a whole huge Kindle screen uh, skin on it. And, you know, it is very cool that you can have a full-colour, you know, great-resolution screen, but I don't know. I said I don't read a lot of books, but... I'm inclined to say that it's so much better experience just to have that white screen, basic text. I mean, I notice it with Jackson reading in comic books and stuff because, you know, sometimes there are better illustrations in color books. Like, Peppa Pig is bloody ugly in black and white, but it's not the end of the world. You can still read a story, but Captain Underpants, which is a black and white cartoon book, fantastic. So, I don't know, I think these 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 basic e-ink e-readers are absolutely here to stay. It's not like Android tablets are suddenly going to become the only thing in, in e-readers. So, you know, this is a great quality product. As I say, 229 the only disappointing thing is it's not going to be available till February. Yeah, you're right. I think uh,
1: that e-readers and, and we're, we're, the number of e-books we're buying is growing. Like I think we're, the market's about up to 20% e-books uh, compared to still still a healthy number of printed yeah, books out true. there. But I think if you're a real, if you're a true reader who, uh, you know, the e-ink screen, there's, there's no reflection. You can read it in bright sunlight. Uh, it's really easy on your eyes. So if you're a true reader, I think that they're, they're the kind of customer that's going to gravitate towards a dedicated reader. Uh, if, if you're more just a casual, all-in-one, yeah, you read the occasional book or magazine, the tablet will do you. But I think if you do read a lot, uh, you love your books, you want to take it, uh, take your favorite books away on a holiday rather than having to carry a suitcase full of books, you can fit up to 10,000, 13,000 on, on one device, then... That, that's what I think uh, the, the dedicated readers will do. And Kobo delivers really well here. Great screen and waterproof. So uh, you can take it, you can drop this anywhere, up to about a metre. I think you take it up to meter a metre for 30 minutes. minutes. So safe reading by the pool.
0: Or in the bath. For some reason, if you wanted to read in the bath and drop an e-reader in there underwater, hey, get some goggles, read underwater. Maybe they're
1: reading 50 shades of gray Trevor you can read uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of women now this is now listen hear me out here there's a lot of women who <laughs> who Trevor has just put his head on his desk. there are a lot of women now this is a true story yeah there are a lot of women and uh, and maybe even some men that bought the 50 shades of gray books on a, on an e-reader because they could read it a little bit more discreetly if they were to have the actual printed book, people would know what they are reading. That's one of the reasons why it was such a big seller as an e-book because it allowed for that discreet reading. Hence, the reason why some people may want to enjoy it in
0: the bath, Trevor. I'm just sort of putting a scenario out there for you. Scenario is… Soft porn e-reader in the bath. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks for that. That's that's great. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and
1: Stephen
0: Fennig. We do it all thanks to the good people at netgear, netgear.com.au. And don't forget the Netgear range of Wi-Fi range extenders. Now, this is for when you've got a good network, but you've got a, either a big house or a complex house. It could be a long house that has, you know, your your internet facilities at one end and the other end of the house gets nothing. You could put a Wi-Fi range extender halfway down the house, and you could boost your network further down. And whether it's upstairs, downstairs, whatever you want to do, it's well worth considering for those black spots or dead spots in your house. Maximize the power of your network and make sure you've got coverage in every corner of your home with something like the AC1200 high-power Wi-Fi range extender. Get ultimate range of performance for your iPads, your smartphones, your laptops, whatever it is uh Wi-Fi range extenders the AC1200 is a beautiful thing because it's a beautiful stand up unit has the the great new design from from Netgear but there's also PowerPoint versions and everything so check them all out at netgear.com.au Now um you know Apple's had about an 8 year relationship with uh with Product Red uh providing uh, research and and fundraising for AIDS research and to try and, you know, fight AIDS and create an AIDS-free generation is the goal. And I, I, I love the concept. Um, I remember, gosh, going back to the little tiny um, belt clip style iPod shuffle, having a red one of those, you know, actual red colored products that had product red uh, printed on them. And, and you knew that a portion of that purchase would go to this um, AIDS fund. And what they've done this year is mind-blowingly more advanced. So from today or from a couple of days ago until December 7th, You'll find a whole bunch of apps in the App Store with exclusive content. And every time you make purchases in those apps, or you make an exclusive in-app purchase, the proceeds are going to the Global Fund. Plus, on December 1, this Monday coming, World AIDS Day, Apple is donating a portion of every single sale in their online and and bricks-and-mortar retail stores to the Global Fund to fight AIDS. And Steve, I mean, you can't. That's just that's a fantastic move from a company that is going to have the scale of sales when and December the first. Even the Commonwealth Bank here in Australia believe is going to be the biggest day for online shopping in the lead up to Christmas.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's uh, Cyber Monday. Uh, it's usually referred to the Monday after Black Friday, which is uh, later this week. But uh, no, Apple have been very active in in uh, in with their product red range and getting behind uh, the w- World AIDS Day, the Global Fund. Just Apple alone, they've raised more than 75 million dollars. I think all up, there's been about 250 million dollars. So Apple accounts for a large portion of that, uh, and their product red have been around for some time, but them creating this different section of the App Store where that all goes, total proceeds go towards that. Add on that Product Red, if you buy them all year round, portion of that goes to the Global Fund as well. And and then on World AIDS Day, which cons- coincides with, as we said, Cyber Monday, uh, that, that's, that's truly remarkable. And I think that... Uh, Product Red was actually co-founded by Bono from U2, mm, the yeah. U2 frontman. So he's he's involved as well. I think it's it'd be good to see other companies following in Apple's footsteps. Apple seem to be quite active in this area. Uh, they're a very generous company when it comes to supporting causes like this. Uh, and look, you know, the, their their goal is to try to create an AIDS-free generation. It's still a problem that's been around for many decades now. And a company like Apple and uh, raising the sort of money they can do, then Hey, who knows maybe they can find a cure or, or uh, get reach that goal of having that AIDS free generation
0: It certainly was when I got the release about this it was pause for thought really because you know tipping onto forty I'm starting to remember you know when AIDS was first around and it was a you know such a huge problem such a huge campaign around it and you think about how much has been done already. You know, in this space, and it's not a, it's not a lofty goal. It's a very honourable and very realistic goal to create an age-free generation. So if you want details about Apple's Red, uh, there's a whole bunch of apps, heaps of apps, great fun apps, games, kids, stuff, everything, as well as just the general product. So if you're looking to buy an Apple product, think about doing it on Monday online or in the retail stores and support product Red. You can read about that at techguide.com.au and eftm.com.au. Two blokes talking to- You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenwick. Now, we know
1: the smartphone market is quite a crowded one. There are a range of uh, price points, a range of different brands and different products. Uh, but last week, Boost Mobile, they, they kind of hit a bit of a, a – they set a little, a new standard, I think, at that lower-end market. They released a $99 smartphone, a 5-inch device. It's actually the Alcatel One Touch device, which I have right here in my hand, 5-inch uh, Android device. Uh, it's got a 5-megapixel camera, nice screen. Uh, plenty of plenty of preloaded apps uh, and a really great starter device if you're a young young person or maybe even a, an older user who wants to buy their very first smartphone. Uh, this this I think is really punching above its weight in terms of the value it offers. Ninety nine bucks, five inches five inch screen, uh, w- great way to view your content, take your photos, get on social media. Uh, I, I think that's that's a pretty competitive price, mm. and this comes only a few days before kogan announced an upgrade to his agora phone uh the agora 4g plus which has i think is 20 dollars the, the, i think the old phone is 20 dollars cheaper the new
0: phone comes in at the price of the old one but with some uh, added specs and memory and look this is the interesting thing this is in the same week that samsung are reported to be re- seeing a, a reduction in sales as forecast about 40 percent. so year on year sales of the galaxy s5 are lower than the galaxy s4 and some people are saying that the, their expectations have been you know, missed by around 40%. That's a big deal for a company like Samsung. And I think what it says is, you know, I actually think that the premium uh, flagship smartphone market has plateaued. I think that people that are going to buy them every two years, there's, there's a very small percentage of people who are going to buy them every year. But the people that are going to buy them every two years are in that loop now already. And the next set of people, like so you've got your top tier is this every year thing, silly people. Then you've got uh, a large number of people who are doing every two years. Then you've got this huge tier of people who are going to stick with the phone for a fair period of time. And probably the same size market of people who Mm -hmm. are likely to just get something cheap, simple, easy, and you've got... The Huawei yes. 1 from Vodafone 99 bucks you've got uh, Huawei've got a $69 3G phone then you've got this one from Boost they've got a couple of different ones at Boost now including the one you've talked about the Alcatel one with some amazing preloaded apps um, and but that's a. I'm having a stab there because uh, Stephen's app VoiceBite is preloaded on the Alcatel phones. We talked about that a few few weeks ago. Um, you know whether it's a $99 boost, have another phone, the Huawei Ascend G630 at 179. You know, 200 bucks is easily enough to get a good quality smartphone, and I think that's an issue for the big guys in in a big uh, way. I- I think you, you you look at
1: Samsung and Apple for example. Like Samsung's the number one smartphone manufacturer, and they they sell they've got thirty percent of the market because they've got a range of devices from maybe not as cheap as ninety nine bucks, but not much more expensive. So they've got a two hundred dollar phone, a three hundred, five hundred, and the top tier. Now, the reason they're the number one in the brand in the world is not because they sell a ton of the top end phones. Mm. It's because they sell ten tons of the lower end phones. Yeah. Those cheaper devices that are being snapped up by new users, younger users, first time smartphone users. And Apple, uh, they just can't make a cheap phone. It's not in their DNA to create a device that's cheap. They just cannot do it. That their design is so is in, is is in such a way that they can't. They, they they don't know how to produce a cheap device. Hmm. It's a quality device, and that's where they're going to stay. So they while they're having their phones are profitable, their market share obviously isn't as healthy as a company that would have a range of phones like your Samsung would. But these new cheaper devices, you're absolutely right. This is where the growth is going to come from. Uh, any company who wants to make a play and increase their market share, this is where they need to play down the bottom end here, where m- so many more people are adopting these devices, that's where the growth is going to come.
0: Uh, and I don't want to get bogged on this topic, but it's a very interesting one. And maybe we should talk about this a bit more in detail over the coming weeks, because there was also news that I read today about Sony admitting that their lofty goal of being the number three smartphone manufacturer was in fact too lofty. And that just says to me, they're realizing that they they didn't pick the market. They didn't see what was happening. You look at that Alcatel that you're holding, the Boost is making available for $99. Like for like, that's a probably a three-year-old flagship phone. And, and and people are still carrying around three-year-old flagship phones from Samsung, Apple, and everyone. So you can get a $99 phone that's brand new, you know, no scratches, and it's as powerful as something from a couple of years ago. That's that's the problem for the big guys. It's
1: got a five-inch screen. Apple Apple never had a screen bigger than this until this year. Their, their iPhone 6 still doesn't have a screen as big as this. It's 4.7 inches. This is a five-inch screen. So... People are, are, are naturally they're, they're being attracted to larger screen devices. Now you can get one for 99 bucks. I think this is going to and, and look, it's it's not it's not a a Galaxy S5, it's not an iPhone 6, but for those who just want a device to be able to get online, use social media, take photos, share them, this does all Always of that, fun. and I think it's going to pick
0: up a lot of customers. Oh, you know, and we said it before about the Huawei a couple of weeks ago. Parents, uh, grandparents, doesn't matter what you are, but parents looking for a, ki- a phone for the kids. 99 bucks, hello, Uh, you know, prepaid with boost, is a great deal, so check it out, Uh, Stephen's got the details, at techguide.com.au. Two blokes talking tech, you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech, with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And just quickly, before the minute reviews, um, I visited the Audi Service Centre in Sydney last week. Now this is strange, because this is a technology podcast, but I'll get there, trust me. I, I love my cars. You love your cars. And, and you actually li- you live down in the in, in the south of Sydney, surprisingly, being a Rabbitohs fan. Uh, and so you, you, like anyone, would be familiar with this huge Audi dealership on Southern Cross Drive, seven-story building. And, and when there was a yeah. shopping center built across the road, as well as at a block of apartments, and I saw the Audi logo up there as well, I thought, what the hell are they doing needing more space? The, the huge headquarters on Southern Cross Drive is just a sales showroom, and, and I've been down the down the basement there. It's a very small area for service, and what they've built is the biggest Audi service centre in the Southern Hemisphere across the road. You go in there, and here's how it rolls. You, you drive into what is a shopping centre car park, and you, you deviate into the Audi area, and you pull into this amazing red, red like the floor's red, the ceiling's red, it's all just, it's just this big loop that you drive into. And you're greeted by two people, like a a, 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 a service center helper and a service technician. Concierge. Concierge, maybe. Anyway, they stand there. They've got an iPad. Now, first and foremost, you booked online. You book online. You can change your booking online. You can book your courtesy car, everything. But when you pull up, they've got an iPad. They've got your rego. They go, yep, yep. And you want this done. You confirm you want this done. It all happens on the iPad. And then, thanks very much. Uh, off you go to your pickup or go and sit down with a free Wi-Fi. Then, they take your car away. Mate, there's no oil in the service bays because they suck the oil out of your car with a vacuum. It goes through the floor into a vat downstairs. So, the, the grease monkeys aren't even greasy anymore. They've got computers that do wheel alignments, like a $30,000 piece of technology that does wheel alignments. Plus, on the floor, there's these two metal grates, which, which the technicians can drive your car up at like 5 k's an hour. And when the big computer screen says brake, now, they hit the brakes, and it does everything from checking the brake balance, brake alignment, wheel alignment, all on this bloody computer. It's unbelievable technology. And then you walk out, well, having checked out basically on the iPad as well, and Bob's your uncle. It's stunning how much, again, iPad, five years old. And now, it's, it's the heart and soul of the check-in at a, at a car service center. Like, how far have we come? Well, I think it's good to see that the, the technology has allowed,
1: the, like a company like Audi, to streamline that service process. So, you know, servicing is one of those things that you've got to do to your car, and the fact that they've made it even easier sounds like it's it's no effort at all to go through it. Book your car in. Uh yeah, that's going to win back customers. That People are going to think, well, do I need to get another Audi? They're going to probably think, well, yes, I will, because mm-hmm. it was so easy to service. It was, there was, it, it was no problem. So good on Audi for doing that. I think uh, they're ex- an example to other car manufacturers that are uh, wanting to take the lead with technology and ma- ma- making, using technology to their advantage to help not only win new customers, but keep
0: their existing customers happy as well. Exactly. I took a bunch of photos, and, and the, the full yarn is up at eftm.com.au. you can clap along to that one, Steve. That's, that's a good sting. Anyway. Oh, you didn't see my hands. I was clapping under the desk. That's oh, what sure. I was doing under well, the I desk. Didn't want to, I didn't want to ask what was happening under the desk. Anyway, your minute <laughs> reviews. Your minute reviews. Now, this first product um, I put in the courier bag today with great regret because it's actually not because of my love for the sound or anything, but it's actually just beautiful. I love what b do, and this is the b Play A2. This is the b and O B O Play A2.
1: This is a, a flat speaker, an, an unusual for a speaker to be flat. Mm. And normally, they, they require a little bit of volume. To create a big sound, but what this does it 's got their true three hundred and sixty technology so that it, it creates a more room filling sound rather than detailed directional sound so I, I was struggled to find the front the back it didn 't really have a front or a back mm. it 's even got this leather strap so that you can carry it around everywhere so it is a quite a portable device. Uh, it, it has a full a battery that can last up to 24 hours, and that's an advantage because not only does your, your music play for longer, but there's a USB port on the side that you can actually use to charge up your smartphone if you're mm-hmm. running low on battery as well. Now, being a, a Bang & Olufsen product, it comes with a bit of a design uh, a premium, uh, and a lot of people, when they first saw me... Uh, sharing this on social media, were jokingly saying, well, it must cost $20,000 because B&O uh, uh, typically have very expensive products, but uh, it's only $479. It creates that big sound, as I mentioned. Uh, the sound quality, is its I don't think it has the clarity and crispness of a, of a Bose or uh, a, a JBL-type speaker. But it does have a really nice bass, and because of that directional sound, that multi-directional sound, it is a great way to fill a room with sound. You can pair up to eight devices in the memory. You can even stream from two devices at the same time. So a fun device, an affordable B&O product, I'd like to say, the Play A2 Bluetooth speaker.
0: Very good uh, from Bang & Olufsen. Very nice stuff. You can check it out at uh, techguide.com.au. Now, while I have my archive of Blackberries uh, up here in the EFTM Man Cave studio, uh, you've got the Square Strange BlackBerry Passbook.
1: Yes, uh, here it is. It's actually the Passport, Trevor. I'll Sorry. correct you there. The Passport, it is called. It, the reason it's called the Passport is because it's the same shape as a passport. It's the, uh, the reason it's named after that travel document. It's, uh, it's meant to indicate mobility. Now, the BlackBerry Passport has its full uh, QWERTY keyboard, but the most unusual thing about it is its square screen. Like, have a look at it next to a normal device. The shape of it is quite unusual. I don't know if you can see the reflection there. Uh, it's, the screen is the same resolution no matter how you hold it, 1400 by 1400. Uh, this full QWERTY keyboard, uh, it's not only a really easy way to type, and let's face it, what's kept BlackBerry users in the BlackBerry family yeah. is that keyboard. They love that keyboard. They've retained that, but it also comes with an added feature of being a trackpad as well. So you can run your finger along, along the uh, keys, and it does move the cursor around the screen. Even if you're browsing a, a mobile uh, a, a website, you can actually then use the keys to be your scroll bar so it, it does have its advantages. The, um, the websites display a lot better on this of screen. Uh, and, and if you're working on documents, if you're sort of on the move, a mobile professional, you can sort of easily view uh, PowerPoint documents or whatever you're working on, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, those sorts of things. That's hmm. got BlackBerry uh, 10, 10.3. Uh, it's got a you know, voice command. It's got uh, a, an interesting feature called Blackberry Blend, where you can actually link the Blackberry Passport to, say, a computer or a tablet, and then watch uh, you view your email on a larger screen. And then when you cut off that connection, uh, there's no remnants left behind on the computer or the tablet. So, still has that security in mind. But this, the shape of this device, I think, uh, you're going to have to be a real Blackberry diehard fan mm. to want to be able to carry this sort of device around. Uh, look, I, I think that uh, my review on Tech God I said that you know they it's going to struggle to keep new to keep existing customers, let alone win new customers to the brand. So Blackberry Passport, uh, I don't think it's going to uh, activate a massive Blackberry comeback in this case our uh, only diehards will gravitate towards this sort of product. Check it out, techguide.com.au.
0: Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fenwick. And that's a wrap. Episode 186. Thanks to the good people at Netgear. You can follow Stephen Fennick at Fennick with a PH on Twitter. My name is Trevor Long. You can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. And, of course, our websites, EFDM.com.au and techguide.com.au. Stephen, a wrap for another week. We'll be back again next week on YouTube and on the podcast. We'll talk to everyone then.
1: Thanks a lot, Trev. Good to see you once again. We'll still got to get. Uh, we have to do a face-to-face podcast one of these days once again. But uh, thank you to all our viewers and our listeners. Uh, it's been great having your company, and hopefully uh, you can be hearing us uh, either live or played back while you're running, walking, in the gym, wherever you like. The two blokes will be there.